Good morning, afternoon, and evening. Welcome to the 8311 Cast, your premier Midwestern-based sports podcast, bringing you all things sports to your beautiful ears. Join your hosts, Mike Ludwig, Kyle Mersch, and Wyatt Teeter on episode 79. On this week's episode, we actually have sports to talk about. We're going to be talking about Sutton Cyclone basketball, some MLB, some NFL, and of course, our signature segments, Mike Stupid Rules and Write That Down Predictions. I'm really excited to be here and be talking about these things to you. And I'm sure my fellow hosts, Mike Ludwig and Kyle Mersch, are in the same boat with me. You know it, my guy. I'm always in the boat. So we go. We have lots of content to talk about this week and some super exciting Iowa State basketball news, if I may say so myself. We finally landed a transfer. If y'all didn't hear, whoop whoop, former four-star Tyler Harris. Uh, He is a uh, 5'9", kind of combo, like point guard, shooting guard. Uh, his originally from Memphis, Tennessee, he was highly recruited, uh, by the Cyclones back in, uh, the same recruiting class that had Tyrese Halliburton, George Condit, Zion Griffin, as well as, uh, THT, Taylor Horton Tucker. Um, but those four guys signed, he decided to stay in his home state and play for Memphis, uh, the Memphis Tigers, but he is transferred. He will have two years left of eligibility, uh, for the Cyclones in 2019, 20 in the 2019-2020 season, excuse me, he averaged 8.7 points per game. Uh, he wasn't very effective on the glass, 1.8 rebounds per game, only 0.8 assists per game. Uh, so he's more of a shooter, not as much a point guard. Uh, but he did average uh, nearly 37 percent. Uh, field goal percentage, so hopefully that will bring uh, some much-needed scoring help to the Cyclones, a team that is just desperate for uh, guard play, uh, really, going forward. So it was good to get him in, uh, and now two more or two other players have uh, listed Iowa State in their uh, final list of schools, one in their one of them in the top four, the other in the top 10, which isn't that great of odds. But we will keep you updated on those in future weeks as that grows ever more evident uh, because we have a lot more to talk about this week. But this is just great news for Iowa State's men's basketball team for next season. Whoop, whoop. Yes, it is good. It is good to actually have scholarship players, as we've talked about before. Scholarship players are important. They are very important. Now, now as Wyatt alluded to in the intro, we are going to talk about Major League Baseball. And unfortunately, we're not going to talk about Major League Baseball games or a plan to reopen Major League Baseball. Though that plan should be coming out here sometime in the next couple of weeks, according to a timeline that I read about today. So hopefully within the next couple of weeks, Major League Baseball will start coming up with a plan on how to reopen. um, As the NHL and MLB are already in the process of finalizing plans to do so. We'll go into more details about that on next week's episode. And also the NBA has also... That, as I said, the NHL and NBA have come Oh, I thought you said NHL playoffs. and MLB. That's what, that is what you said, Mike. <laughs> oh, it is? 
Yeah. yeah. I was going to oh. say the same thing. We know what you meant, Man- though. Meant to say NHL and, M- and NBA have uh, come up with plans. They aren't official official yet, but they're basically official of how they're going to reopen the season. We'll get to that next week, like I said. But we are going to talk about in the uh, MLB segment this week is that the MLB sign ceiling investigation 2.0 report came out yesterday. This one was into the content of the Red Sox um the content of the Red Sox during the uh, – that was the 2018 season, if I remember correctly. Yeah, right? the 2018 this... World Series yep. victory. Yeah, yep. this alleged misconduct took place. So, right, the Red Sox were under investigation for sign-stealing, um, electronic sign-stealing, clarification. Remember, sign-stealing on non-electronic means is not illegal. Electronic sign-stealing, uh, that report came out. Uh, I'll give you the discipline first, and then I'll run down into the details of what the report said, and then I will um, give my analysis. So first, the punishment. Um, the Red Sox lose a 2020 second-round draft pick. Remember, the Astros lost two first-round draft picks in their investigation. The uh, Red Sox replay room operator has been suspended uh for the 2020 season and can't be a replay operate, uh, replay room assistant, whatever you want to call him, in the 2021 season. Though he can return to baseball. And uh, Alex Cora was suspended through the 20 uh, for the 2020 season, but that was but the report was uh, important to say that that was only for his conduct as the Red Sox bench coach and for nothing. As the, the sorry, as the as Astros. The Astros. Yep. Yeah. As the Astros bench coach, and nothing he did for the Red Sox. So getting into details, basically to summarize what was a 15-page report by Major League Baseball, basically what it said is that the replay operator for the Red Sox, who was also the one who was in charge of advanced scouting as far as sign sequences for pitchers and stuff is concerned, which is also legal, by the way. You can definitely use video of previous appearances from a pitcher before the game starts to try to figure out sign sequences, etc. That's also legal. But what the report found is that there was reason to believe that this man, who is also the replay operator, was using the live video feed in the replay room to, on at least some occasions, relay or modify his scouting reports about um, pitch sequences and then have them relayed out to players in the dugout, including runners on second base, to help them um, help them tip off the batter to what pitch might be thrown. Um, and then basically the uh, and then the, they said that no player had specific evidence that this is what they were doing, but that numerous players sort of inferred that that's what's happening, but didn't have specific evidence. They also said that Al- both Alex Cora and Boston's GM neither promoted this nor had any reason to have knowledge that it was happening, which sort of goes against what the result of the um invest or the the punishment the Astros got right because their GM and manager were punished because it was their job to know that that stuff was happening even if they didn't but apparently it's not Alex Coy's job to know if that stuff's happening even if he didn't um anyway 
And then, um, was there any other things that the report specified that I'm forgetting? Not really. Uh, Those were the big Not things. really that I, I can add. That was pretty much the summation of that report. Mm -hmm. And so here's my take on this, and I'd be interested to get your takeaway. I'm not going to comment on whether the punishment was severe enough. I mean, I don't think it was, so I guess I am going to comment on it. But here's what I don't get. So Alex Cora had no knowledge, apparently, of this electronic sign stealing that was happening, right? This means one of two things for, for baseball, right? So, so remember that Alex Cora was the ringleader of that sign stealing uh, thing that the Houston Astros were doing, right? So we, and it was successful, and they were getting away with it at the time. So he goes to Boston, right, as the manager, and apparently he doesn't continue that scheme, but the Red Sox were also electronically stealing signs through no knowledge of Alex Cora. That means one of two things for baseball. First of all, that that report is absolute crap and that Alex Cora was definitely involved, but Rob Manford doesn't want to punish them for some reason. Or two, that electronic sign stealing is absolutely completely widespread in the game of baseball and pretty much everybody, and you have to assume that pretty much everybody's doing it. Those are the only two logical outcomes I can come up with out of this. The, basically, when I first saw this notification on my phone of basically the summary of what the punishment was, my initial reaction was, wow, they basically took a feather and slapped the Red Sox on the wrist with this. Like, you're banning a replay operator, so what? Go find a new one. Like, that's easy. You you lose a second-round draft pick, so what? You're not losing a first-round draft pick. First-round draft picks are where your future cornerstone, potentially, of your organization comes that's from. not true in baseball, but okay. I mean... Just as, just as many stars were picked in the umpteenth round in baseball than in the first round. The baseball draft is so much more of a crapshoot than any other sport. That's true. But generally, your first round, you hope that they're going to be there in in the least amount of time to impact the game yeah. of baseball. But, oh, well. I mean, the second... They didn't... They're, they're not enough punishment. Suspension of Alex Cora mainly for, or only for the conduct with the Astros. It, it, it boggles my mind that he had no knowledge that this was happening. Like, when you think about it, something that this reminds me of is when Louisville had that uh, their men's basketball scandal and uh, Richard Patino was it Richard Patino, right? Rick Patino. Rick Pitino, he claimed he had no knowledge of anything happening. As a head coach or a manager of a baseball team or a basketball team, there's no way that you don't know what is happening. It, you can't go around through the clubhouse or through a locker room and not hear conversations of stuff that's happening. It just boggles my mind that he had no idea what was happening whatsoever so I believe I believe for whatever reason Alex Cora is just getting off almost scot like scotch free like with this, just a year off from baseball. Who cares? I it why why won't the commissioner actually punish people? Is my question. 
They need to make an example. Otherwise, sign stealing is just going to be a normal occurrence, and every team is just going to have to do it in order to win. So I do have a comment on that. Um, this has been my opinion since the, the whole Astros cheating scandal came out, in that I think most every MLB team is doing some sort of illegal use of, of footage or, or something along those lines uh, akin to sign stealing. So if you start punishing just these one or two teams and the other teams get off scot-free, that doesn't seem fair. So why not punish the entirety of the MLB? I don't know. I think this is a more widespread issue than what's being it's being made out to be. Honestly, I don't have any proof, and obviously this is just my opinion, but I think that's why these punishments are so light. I don't see why else that would be. Like, What's another logical explanation for that? I mean, punish punish these teams and then crack down on all the other teams if you don't want that to happen. That's how it should be, in my opinion. I mean, but but you right, you don't have proof of you don't have proof of all the other teams, right? If basically, I right, and I lean towards the latter, right, of those two situations that I listed, right? I lean towards towards the latter being more accurate with um what we need with um, what's actually going on. And I agree with Wyatt that it's actually really widespread, but you don't have proof that the other teams are doing it. So you can't punish them, but you don't want to unjust. You don't want to ridiculously punish the two teams that happen to be dumb enough to get caught doing that. Everybody else is doing. That's my understanding of what Manfred is, is doing with this, whether it's right or wrong. That's my, that's my understanding of what he's doing. And is it going to dissuade it? I personally, I think there's internal memos going around Major League Baseball that uh, acknowledge that people are doing this and telling them that it won't be tolerated any anymore. Is personally what I think is happening. He's choosing an internal, internal don't do this anymore, as opposed to uh, external punish these two teams as an example. That's what I think. You got to keep in mind too, if this was a widespread issue that's been going on for a couple of years, that almost it almost completely strips away the um, I don't know what's the word I'm looking for here. It strips away the amazingness, I guess, of of winning the World Series over the past couple of years. It strips away that that kind of sense of achievement, I suppose. If you find out that everybody's been cheating, it's like who cares, you know? But just my thoughts on the subject. Yeah, it's yeah, it's an interest. It'll be definitely something to keep an eye on as the seasons go forward. See if more teams get caught, right, or get accusations leveled against them over the course of the next couple of years too. Might give us a better idea of how widespread it's been in this in this era. So, hopefully, it doesn't continue though because I don't like it. It's not good for baseball, in my opinion. So, no. I, I mean, I don't like it either because I, I continue to think about it. I'm like, if the Royals had used or they were better at sign stealing in 2014, could they have beaten Madison Bumgarner and the Giants and won back-to-back World Series? Who knows? But, I mean, you, you just don't know. Like, I think it I think it diminishes the value of winning a World Series if you are cheating to get there. But if everyone's doing it, May the best cheater win? Is that how that's supposed to work? I don't know. 
It seems like it, but baseball is not the only thing that we're going to be talking about today because the NFL draft just happened for, for us as we're recording this. Just happened this past week, and I think we're going to talk to you a little bit about that. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yes, we it, are. Yes, it, it did happen, and it was virtual. And then, of course, all of these reports came out that said they had these boosted numbers and ratings off of it. Well, of course, everyone's at home, and it's the only thing to do and on TV. So, of course, people are going to watch it. But, I mean, it was an interesting draft, in my opinion, to see especially, like, everyone's setups. Cliff Kingsbury had only a couple wins last year, but he was drafting in his mansion. Uh, Jerry Jones is drafting on his $250 million yacht. Uh, and having a bunch of people hold his cell phone because he couldn't do it himself. Um, and it was it was interesting to see like all the players' reactions with all their families and stuff like that. But in my opinion, and I know this was from why or why I had the same opinion, the first round started out super boring. Like everybody had been mocking the draft pretty much one way with a lot of the top teams just getting some like players that everybody was saying. And then they ended up drafting those players. Uh, It wasn't until pick what 13 that we had the first trade when San Francisco uh, traded down and just one spot though. Wasn't it like 13 to 14 that trade? Yeah. Yeah. So Tampa Bay could move up and draft the Iowa offensive lineman, but It, it didn't really get interesting until the later part of the first round when some some picks were were just happening. The I mean, the SEC dominated the first round, but it, it seems to be the the stat line of drafts of late. Um, I think it was either they set the record again for number of players drafted in the first round. I think it was 15 by a single conference. So nearly half the first round draft class was from the SEC. Uh, but in my opinion, I don't know about you, Mike, the biggest surprise of the first round for me was the Packers trading up to draft Jordan Love, quarterback oh, out of Utah State. Absolutely. You have possibly one of the greatest quarterbacks like in the NFL – right now or not possibly you have you have a top five top six quarterback in the nfl right now signed on a long-term super expensive contract high dollar contract right so so that's the key the signed on a long-term deal is the key right because in this latest collective bargaining agreement era right where right draft picks are slotted so you don't have to pay, you know, your first round draft pick quarterback who's never played in the NFL before extravagant money like you're used to. Since that happened, right, the most valuable part of having a young quarterback was the fact that he was cost controlled, right? Yep. The fact that Aaron Rodgers doesn't have, you know, one or two years left on his deal, right? He's got four, right? Three to four, which means essentially you've burned all of the time where love is going to be cheap and affordable on this rookie deal. But because Aaron Rodgers is still going to be there, he's not going to be playing, right? That's look one at, of the main values of having a first round quarterback is their cost controlled. And you're going to look at that now, even. Look at Patrick Mahomes, drafted out, got to sit behind Alex Smith for one year. 
cost control two years later uh, in his second full season of starting, third season in the NFL, wins a Super Bowl. Cost control. You, you're, you're not paying your superstar quarterback a ton of money, so then you can pay other people around him. That's that, but yeah, I, it was shocking to me. I thought the Packers would go after more uh, weapons for Aaron Rodgers, possibly. Like, like wide receiver. I had a couple of Packer fan friends of mine who really wanted to take Denzel Mims. Yeah, either Mims. Well, Mims slid a ton. He did. He uh, was there mid-second round but, still. But the Vikings picked Justin Jefferson, and a lot of Packer fans were like, and that was one pick later. Correct me if I'm wrong. Before, Vikings should have picked before the Packers because oh right, yeah. Both the Bills and Vikings got eliminated from the playoffs before the Packers. So Vikings, I guess both of their I guess whatever it is, but they like if they were trading up, why not potentially trade up to get Justin Jefferson or something like that? The, you know, there were reports that I saw today that the Packers were trying to trade up with the Vikings, but they were trying to trade up with the Vikings in order to get love, is what it sounded like. So well, a lot of the reports that I said or that I saw said that the Packers were dead set on drafting love, no matter what it took, mm-hmm. which was just absolutely mind blowing to me. And he didn't have a great uh, junior season. He threw he threw the most interceptions in in in, t- in the entire FBS, 17 interceptions in the season. Like, OK, Jameis Winston, stop throwing it to the other team. But I guess they I guess they saw a lot that they like and they think he can be the successor to Aaron Rodgers. Will that come sooner rather than later? Will Aaron Rodgers be traded at some point? Who knows? I mean, they can just continue the plan. Aaron Rodgers can be the Vikings quarterback in a couple of years. Yep. Just a thought. Just a thought. Would you, would, would you like would that? that? I would don't you know like what that? I, I have no idea what I would think of that. It would be hilarious that it happened yeah. twice, two Packers quarterbacks in a row. Yeah. But I have no, but yeah, I have no idea if I would like that or not. And it wasn't even the only stupid pick. I feel like the Packers' first three rounds were disasters. Oh right? yeah, they drafted a the third-string running back in right. the second round. Right. He wasn't even listed as one of the top 250 players in the draft, according no. to Pro Football Focus. And the Packers drafted him in the second round. And then they drafted a tight end in the third round, except they drafted essentially the exact same player in the third round last year. Same type of player in the third. I don't know what the Packers were doing. They did not have they, a good first two days. Of the and draft. they didn't. They didn't fix their glaring issue from the NFC Championship game, where they got run over, run over, steamrolled by the San Francisco 49ers' rushing attack. I mean. So did the Vikings had a really good rush defense, and they also got run over by the Niners' rushing attack. Yeah. So every, the Niners were running over everybody in those playoffs. They should have won the Super Bowl. They should have continued to run in the amazing. Super Bowl, but they they yeah. didn't. That's why they. That's one of the reasons why they lost. Yeah. Not the only. I, mean, reason. I don't know. I don't know what the Packers were doing. We'll see how it plays I, out. I mean, I you can't really that. evaluate drafts in, for like three more years. So talk exactly. to me in three years, and we'll see how this draft played out. That's what I would say. Maybe in three years, Aaron Rodgers is gone, and Jordan Love is winning a Super Bowl, and then we'll all look stupid for calling this a horrible draft pick. Yeah, but if the Packers managed to do that twice, 
in a row. Screw them. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that part. <laughs> so, we'll see. But the Vikings were also drafting, as was everybody in well, the NFL. All the teams were drafting. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, Mike, give us your thoughts on how your team drafted. Yeah, I think the Vikings did a good job. Overall, I was happy with the, uh, the Vikings draft. I think they went out and addressed... Um, the position of needs well. Uh, that that pick of Jefferson at uh, in the first round there at number 22, I think, was a very good pick. Um, they needed help at wide receiver to replace Stefan Diggs. This guy is this similar build, similar route running and catching ability to Stefan Diggs. So I think it's a good replacement there. Cheaper and maybe uh, a better teammate. Yeah, maybe a little less of a diva. We'll see. Um, they also... Uh, Picked the cornerback, uh, Glandy, at uh, number 31. So I think that was also, I mean, right, your top two positions of need on the Vikings were cornerback and wide receiver. They picked them in, picked two of them in the first round. is very good. In the second round, pick up a tackle. In the third round, another corner. I mean, right, you would, your three positions of need, you address them well in the first three rounds of the draft, which is exactly what you have to do. Um, if I think if, you uh, got... I think you got good value out of that uh, Baylor defensive end or tackle uh, Lynch. Yeah, that was yeah. I mean, when you can draft the Big Twelve, I know the Big Twelve isn't known for defense, but if you can draft the Big Twelve player, the defensive player of the year in the fourth round, yeah, it seems like it seems like a good thing. Yeah, he was fantastic for Baylor, and he was he was going up against, I mean, some good offensive lines, not fantastic, but mm-hmm. like. He was he was handling a bunch of them, so yeah, yeah. Minnesota, uh, the Vikings also. Rick Spielman continued his uh, his plan of basically trading down whenever possible. I mean, in one of the most remarkable trades at the end of the third round, the Saints traded the rest of their draft to the Vikings for the Vikings' uh, last third round pick. So the Vikings picked up a fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh all for uh, a third-round pick there. Um, the Vikings broke the record for most players picked in a draft in the uh, in the seven-round era by picking 15 players, um, most ever in the seven-round era. So that was, uh, that was an interesting thing. But, I mean, they did have a ton of roster spots to fill. The Vikings had 30 roster spots to fill going into this draft, so they needed, uh, needed a bit of help. The draft was going great for the Vikings, and then they ruined it in the seventh round when they drafted Nate Stanley. Nate Stanley's an awful quarterback. Even if he didn't go to Iowa, he's an awful quarterback. He's never completed more than 60% of his passes in his career. Why would you draft Nate Stanley? Why would you draft Nate Stanley? Not good. Bad juju. Bad Nate Stanley. I, I thought that was hilarious when I saw that. <laughs> I was upset. I was sitting here in my chair, and all of a sudden I get a notification about Nate Stanley, and I'm like, why? I don't have Iowa as one of my favorite teams. Oh, wait, the Vikings just drafted him. Oh, no, this is a disaster. Anyway, in all, in all reality, I think the Vikings draft went really well. What about the Chiefs for you, Kyle? Yeah, so I, I was actually really happy uh, with the Chiefs draft class. Um, at first, when I saw the first-round selection, pick 32, of Clyde Edwards Hilaire, uh, the running back out of LSU. I was 
I was a little upset because I figured we had more important needs. But then watching his tape, watching film, watching breakdowns of his game, I think that he fits really, really well um, in the Chiefs system with Andy Reid. And uh, he's a great pass catching uh, back. And he forced 97 missed tackles in the SEC last year, which is just fantastic. Um. But Brett Veach just continues to prove that he seems like he knows what he's doing. Uh, before the draft, it was mentioned that uh, the San Francisco 49ers had put D Ford available for trade. Um, so the Chiefs traded away, traded him away, and got a better edge rusher in D in uh, Frank Clark. Um, so I just trust Brett Veach with all these people that he's picking that I haven't ever heard of. And that aren't like the top names that are mentioned in the draft. I love the second round pick of Willie Gay Jr. Uh, he is a super, super good and athletic and speedy uh, linebacker who has great uh, coverage grades, which is something that the Chiefs severely lacked last year was a coverage linebacker. Um, he fell to the second round because he was suspended uh, for team violations. Uh, allegedly he punched the their quarterback in the face. Um, I don't think he's going to be punching Patrick Mahomes anytime soon. Uh, so hopefully it's all, it's all Gucci there. He could, he could, but he'd have a world of pain coming at him. The rest of the team will not have any of that. I loved the third round draft pick of Lucas Niang, a tackle. Um, it looks like we're going to, try and switch him to guard and he could potentially uh, depending on how the off season goes this year, he could definitely fight for a starting spot at guard. Um, he didn't allow a sack in three years at TCU, which is impressive. And he played against the likes of Joey Bosa and Chris Young, a couple names that you may or may not have heard of out of Ohio state. Um, and then Legereus Sneed, he runs as fat, almost as fast as Tyreek Hill as a defensive back, um, a solid defensive end pickup, and another cornerback in the seventh round. Actually, the Chiefs only had five draft picks, rounds uh, one through five, um, and they picked in all their spots, no trades, until the seventh round when they came back in and traded a future sixth round pick uh, in order to draft a cornerback in the seventh round out of Tulane, Bo Pete Kiez. Uh, and they wanted to draft him because they figured he would be one of the hottest uh, players on the undrafted free agent market, uh, so they wanted to just go ahead and snag him right away as soon as they could. Um, I, I love this draft class for the Chiefs, and it's going to be fun. And the defensive backfield is going to consist of a Chavarius, Thicarius, and Legarius. Just, just let that sink in. That's a fantastic. Say that five times fast. That's those are some fantastic names for a defensive backfield. Love it. But I guess the other thing that I thought was interesting, just as a note, was the AFC West seems to be adopting the strategy: if you can't beat them, join them. Uh, where the Broncos spent their two first-round picks on wide receivers, or not two first-round picks, their two. First two picks overall, 
the Oakland Raiders drafted three speedy wide receivers and the Chargers drafted hopefully their quarterback of the future in Justin Herbert. So they're just trying to keep up with the Chiefs because as as a bunch of analysts called it, the rich just got richer with the draft of Clyde Edwards Alaire. So it's I'm I'm excited as a Chiefs fan for next year. I thought there were a lot of teams who had good drafts. Um, and it was interesting to see where some of our cyclones have ended up. Now, none of them got drafted. The best chance that we had of a player getting drafted was Steven Wirtel, uh, the long snapper. Uh, it, it's sad when your best draft prospect is a long snapper. Yeah. Like a division three offensive division three school out of Minnesota had a guy drafted in the third round and Iowa state can't manage anybody getting drafted. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, but there were, so now six, uh, actually that they added one today, six cyclones are signed as undrafted free agents. Um, Ray Lima signed with Miami Marcel Spears and Josh Kniffel both signed with the Cincinnati Bengals. Julian Good-Jones signed with Philadelphia. Steven Wirtel, aforementioned, he signed with Detroit. And then Matt Leo today, I, that he didn't actually sign, did he? Wasn't it called know. something else? It was called something else, but he's going to the Eagles. He's going to the Eagles. So. It, was, it was allocated. I don't yeah. know what that means. I'm not exactly sure what that meant either. That's why I, I didn't add it initially. Because I, I had that, no idea what that meant. Yeah, I don't even know what that means. Maybe we're going to call an audible for Mike Stupid Rules, and I'm going to tell you what that means. Yeah. So I guess we'll one thing. Look it up in time. One thing that look, I was thinking about this. I was I was thinking, can the site? How can the Cyclones get better? And we had talked about this. How the Iowa State Cyclones men basketball team continues to get good recruits because they have a history of putting players into the NBA. My and my thought was. Does Matt Campbell need to prove he can put players in the NFL in order for us to start getting that top tier talent? I mean, we have players that fit in the system really well, like formerly David Montgomery and Hakeem Butler, but both of those guys got drafted. Right now we have players like Brock Purdy, Brees Hall, um, like Mike Rose, but do we need to start showing that that we can produce NFL talent in order to start getting that top tier talent or as I was and to get to the next level. And by next level, I mean, big 12 championship potential uh, college football playoff berth. Do we need that talent in order to advance the team or are we okay where we are? What's your opinion on that, Mike? I mean, have we made it to a big 12 championship game recently? No. Yeah. Well then we need, to be better. I think that's yeah. pretty simple. I agree. And I mean, that was the thought that came, came into my mind. I was like, we need to start producing or like show that we can produce NFL talent so that we can start getting some of those big time players or bigger players. Yeah, that's definitely going to be part of it. But I think that's definitely part of it going to be taking the next step. But I also don't think we're doing that bad in recruiting overall, right? Like, we've got a top 25 recruiting class for 2021. 
as of right now, right? Mm-hmm. We're, we're doing – the recruiting is starting to turn around even though we are not necessarily getting those um, those big name or those players into the NFL. So recruiting is starting to turn a corner, we hope, and we'll see what happens from there. But, yes, NFL players definitely help that. So hopefully we'll start to get some more players drafted and then we can go from there. Yeah. I agree. Um, anything else about the draft? Why did you get anything about the draft you want to add? I don't. I don't at all, actually. Uh, other than wow. you know making a comment on Roger Goodell's extremely robotic behavior, um, I think the draft actually went better than, than I, I expected it to go. It did go better than I expected. I enjoyed Bill Belichick's dog. All the dogs. Dogs yes. were the best part of the draft. Yeah, dogs were fantastic. Definitely. I also um, like how you texted me or messaged me saying, "Is was Andy Reid wearing the same Hawaiian shirt two nights yeah, in a row? I was curious whether he was wearing the same Hawaiian shirt both nights. He was not. It looked he similar. wore three different Hawaiian shirts. Okay. So. Yeah, I assumed he would be wearing Hawaiian shirts each day, but I was like, wait, that one looks, if I remember correctly, that one looks similar to the one he wore for round one. Is it the same? Yeah, they're, they're pretty similar. Yeah. All right. Anyway, moving on to the only thing more exciting than dogs in the NFL draft. That <laughs> is, yeah, right. of course, everyone's favorite segment, Mike's Stupid Rules. And I could not find the information about what on earth uh, allocated means, so we're going to stick to our theme of rules for non-mainstream sports, and we are going to give you a golf rule this week. Golf probably has some of the strangest rules that you could ever think of. And here is one of them. So we're going to talk about how you remove dew from your ball if you um, if you happen to be, you know, out playing golf early in the morning and, you know, there's still dew on the ground. So if you were to wipe that dew off the ball with your hands or a towel at some point um, during the... Uh, during the course during the course of playing a hole, you are actually in violation of Rule 13-2, and that is a two-stroke penalty. You are not allowed to wipe the dew off your ball during a hole. Now, you can remove it uh, on the tee box before you hit the ball to start the hole, but not during a hole. That's a two-stroke penalty. Don't wipe the dew off your ball, or it's a penalty. Why? I don't know. That's dumb. It, it's just a dumb, it's a stupid rule that I looked <laughs> up and added to the outline. I, I do think that is a stupid rule. We don't have, a, a, like, if you really think about it, a lot of rules that we discuss on here aren't actually stupid, but that is a stupid rule. Like, not that I'm going to like to do off my golf ball anyway, even if I did golf, but, like, why is that? I don't know. I find that to be strange. Like, can you see, apply a substance to the ball secretly and be like, Haha, see, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to stay true to the brand. It says Mike's stupid rules. So I uh, got us a good and stupid one this week. Oh, no, I, I like that. I like that. It's just been a while since we've had a, a true stupid rule. I appreciate that, but man, that, that's stupid. Anyway, that it's like you said, on brand. Keeping up with on brand, the thing that comes after Mike's stupid rules is generally our write that down prediction segment. And since the NFL draft has actually happened, we have a myriad of predictions to take off the board. Mike, do you want to tell me what those are? Yes, I will do that. 
Um, first one to come off the board is one that I made after the Astros uh, science doing report came out. I predicted that Alex Cora would get banned from baseball as a result of the uh, Astro or the Red Sox investigation finishing. That is not what happened. So for that, I get a nah. nah. Kyle predicted that Chris Jones will be traded for at least one draft pick here um, before the end of the NFL draft. He did not get traded, so nah. Nah. Kyle also predicted that at least three wide receivers would be drafted in the first 20 picks. That did happen. That was correct. So for that, he could say ding, 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 ding. Uh, I predicted that the Chiefs would trade out of the first round. They did not. They did draft at number 32. So for that, I get a nah. Uh, I predicted that the Vikings would pick one offensive and one defensive player in the first two rounds of the draft, or in the first round of the draft, I should say. Um, and they did. They picked a wide receiver in a corner. So for that, I get a ding, 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 ding. ding, ding. I predicted that at least five first-round picks would be traded on draft day. There were... Ding, 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 ding. Ding, ding, ding. ding. Um, I predicted there would be at least one technology issue during the draft. And I could argue that there were some technology issues. You know, there was like some of the, the live cameras on GMs froze, you know, things oh, like that. Oh, did you hear the... Sorry to interrupt, but did you hear the producer? Sometimes when they were cutting back in to uh, Roger Goodell's basement, you could hear the producer counting down from five. And then yeah. th- that happened a couple of times. I'm not. Yeah. I don't think that's that's a really technical. Yeah. it's just yeah. an interesting that, production thing. Sorry right. for interrupting. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Is I could try to make an argument that that counts, but it wasn't really what I uh, wasn't really not gonna count that. So I'll take that as a wrong. So. Nah. And then going off that, Wyatt said there would be enough of an issue that the first round of the draft would be paused at least once. The draft was never paused. Nah. Nah. That is all that we had come off the board. Um, Kyle, you want to start putting stuff back on the board? Yeah, so there's going to be a common theme tonight. We all kind of stuck with the theme. Uh, so the, I'm, I'm predicting the next season, Brock Purdy will break at least two ISU records. And that can either be records that he is currently not holding or records that he has already set. He just re-breaks them. Did he only he broke what? Just he broke one record two last or three, year? I think, last year. Murray was at least one. Um I thought it was two. It might have been. I'm not saying it's not. I just remember let's, one specifically. Let's take a look. Uh he did break the pass single season passing yards record yep. and single season passing touchdowns last year. So So two. So it might happen again. He might break those. What were those two records that he set? Uh, 3,982 yards and 27 touchdowns, both blowing the old record out of the water. Jeez. Yeah, I, I mean, think he blew. I think he blew those records out of the water in like with like two games left or something. Yeah. I would love to see that happen again. Both of those records, you know, being set again would be awesome. Um, I don't really know what to give you for this. I'm gonna go like my gut read, which is a triple i mean so that these, seems pretty intense does, does this does this count all time so let's say he breaks the single season passing record again and doing that would for sure break him as the iowa state career passing leader is this just single season records or is this records overall uh that's important clarification let's go single season okay because otherwise oh. this is obviously a single 
because all he needs to yep. do to break the passing touchdowns record is throw eight touchdowns. Which yes. he's going to do. So the all-time passing touchdowns. So. so single season. I want I want more out of this than just a single. That's fair. That was my assumption. Does this include weird things like rushing yards by a quarterback and things like that? Or what what records are all in contention here? Let's go with let's go with any obviously any passing records. So passing yards, passing touchdowns, what else? What else is a passing? Should dare I say interceptions thrown in a season? No. (laughs) Sure. Sure. Um let's also go with like uh, rushing yards and rushing touchdowns for a quarterback or just for in a, general for for a quarterback. This is okay. getting strange. <laughs> Double, I guess. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. No, 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 no. Okay, so let's just make this more simple. So. Passing like like all passing stats and then all purpose yards and all purpose touchdowns. All purpose yards and all purpose touchdowns. That's that's more simplistic. Okay. Um I still think double probably. Some of these things might be tough to verify, but yeah. Double? I suppose. I mean, I guess. I don't know if I can convince myself to go up to a triple. That's what I was trying to do. No, I'm not going up to a triple. I'm we'll okay with a double. double. All right. We'll call it a double. What do you got, Mike? Yeah, we'll see if you can spot the theme here. I'm going to predict that Brock Purdy will finish in the top 10 of Heisman voting next year. Ooh, I hope so. I hope this happens. <laughs> I, my initial thought was triple. I don't mm-hmm. think it's a home run unless you say he's a finalist for the Heisman Trophy. I'd agree with that. Which a finalist is, is top three. Top three, yeah. I would say a triple. That's, that's what I was thinking before we started the episode. That's fine with that, me. That, that's still what I'm thinking. So, if you said triple? if you said top three, like boom, home run. Obviously, but I don't think he will finish in the top three. So, I hope yeah. he does. But I, I hope he does. I, 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 I agree. Fantastic. All right, I'm gonna put on the board. Uh, Brock Purdy starts every single game this coming season. All of the games. Last last year, I predicted he'd start eighty percent. I mean, double like, yeah, like uh, other than the fact that he gets injured, he is our starting quarterback. Yeah, this basically, I mean, I I, he was the starting quarterback all of last season. Yeah, he didn't struggle last season. He was great. He broke he broke all the single season records. Just saying, I would agree with Kyle. This prediction is a roundabout way of saying. Brock Purdy will not be injured this season. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Probably, you know? I'll agree with I'll agree with Kyle for a double. So, we'll, I'll take we'll it. I'll take I, it because I don't think I could talk myself into giving that a triple. Oh, pff, absolutely oh, not. Question is, single or double? 
Oh. The question for me was between single or double, not between double or triple. Well, can you talk me into a single? No, oh, I will take a double. It's already been written okay. down. Yeah. Do we have anything from Josh this week? Uh, Kyle, I, you said you I messaged him. He was alive. He responded. He just said, I'll have to think about it. And then he never thought about it. So, Or if he did think about it, he took too long to think about it, which is unfortunate, which means we only have three predictions to put up on the board today instead of our normal four. Well, I, would, I say that, but I don't think Josh has had a prediction up on the board in like a month. So maybe this is the new normal. <laughs> this is the new normal. <laughs> So, with that, that's the end of our Write That Down prediction segment, which also means we're at the end of the episode. Thank you so much for listening to episode 79 of the 8311Cast. We hope to catch you back here next week for episode 80. In the meantime, check out our social media on Instagram at 8311Cast, and feel free to drop us a line on our contact page at 8311cast.fireside.fm slash contact. Signing off for the 8311Cast are your hosts, Kyle Mersh, Mike Ludwig, and Wyatt Teeter. We'll talk to you next week. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones.